Thank you to the sponsor of today's episode, Henry. Henry is one of the biggest game changers for freelancers in their personal accounting. It will literally remove any and all worries about tax. The online service automatically pays and files all of your taxes whenever you get paid before passing on the rest to you, which means you're always up to date on your tax obligations. I personally use Henry and feel so much comfort knowing I never have to worry about those big unexpected tax bills. And yes, I know I studied accounting, but this stuff is still hard, okay? Thanks again, Henry, for supporting the podcast. Let's get on with the episode. Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of The One Up Project podcast. I'm here with the number one, in, in New Zealand's number one <laughs> Instagram marketing <laughs> podcast with... Tash and Div. Whoop, whoop. And today we <laughs> I realized I do that in front of every Instagram thing. It's like, and today we have on. <laughs> and like the same like f- minute of the podcast is always the same. I'm like, and I always put my hands up. Yeah, and no one can see it. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. I love it. So we've brought back Tash and Viv again for a second time, uh, which I'm really excited about. So we're gonna talk a little bit around, I guess, a side hustle, a bit of a side hustle one oh one for people out there who since COVID have decided to embark on a journey of starting a little business or um, getting a bit creative and I guess earning a bit of money through that. So how are you both today? (laughs) (laughs) I've had to to warm my voice up earlier. That's been on a bender. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's suffering from it. Um, But um, I'm good. I, what have I been up to? I had an engagement party in the weekend, so that was... Two benders. Yeah, two (laughs) benders, so that was fun. Now I'm back. Sarah's now in the Bay, which is lovely. Normally we're in Auckland. Yeah, so. yeah it's been so nice so far. I mean, Viv already wants me to go. She's asking me when I was leaving uh, <laughs> five like, minutes ago. Like, but like the sixth question, Viv's just sitting on the couch. So, Sarah, when are you leaving? <laughs> hey, it's all right. Um, I've built some resilience um, up until this point, so no worries. Yeah, pretty shocking when it comes to my mouth sometimes. <laughs> I don't even realise. I used to have to translate. We'd be in meetings and I would just, Viv would say something and I would translate it for the client. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah that's kind of what I do for my guests, so yeah. probably good. Let's get into it. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> with Instagram. So we spoke about it a bit last time um, around the story around Instagram, but I don't remember you guys saying, did Instagram start off as a side hustle for the two of you or was it like you were all in from at some point? Yeah, it definitely started off as a side hustle. So I think um, the background was that obviously Tash and I met at uni um, and then as we went off and did our different things, I was working in the deer industry and Tash was overseas um, working on a book um, and also doing some social work. We then took on clients in terms of like a done-for-you service, managing other people's Instagram accounts and we were both doing that and we were talking to each other every day Um, and then we realised that actually there's so many people with this problem out there and a lot of people are asking us for help and so then once Tash came back from the US, that's when we kind of joined forces and so became Instagram. But Mm. I guess when you were working full-time, and you were running some clients' accounts that was like textbook side hustle. 
yeah, and then yeah, yeah, and then sure. and then same. So I was, you know, working at a gym in the states and then doing some social media stuff. Um, and then I was running Instagram accounts on behalf of clients and doing some photography work. So those were my two side hustle things. And and I think it was really it was really interesting because it got to the stage where it was like actually I I, I can't take any more annual leave to meet these clients in the middle of the day or I actually yeah. don't have enough hours in the day. And I think the biggest um change in mindset was actually realizing that um hold on I might actually be able to make you know you going. I left uni and you're on a full-time wage and you mm. go, hold on a second, I really thought this like fun random little Instagram thing, I never considered that that might be actually a full-time gig mm. um, and taking that leap um, was really interesting. But yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, us having no money at the start, it wouldn't have made sense for us to be like, oh, we're going all in when we knew nothing about business, we knew we had like one client each, we would be earning like, you know, $20 a week. Like it didn't make sense for us to go all in. Yeah. Um. So that's why we were always, you know, we're always advocates for like the transition of like mm. starts as a side hustle. And then when you get to that tipping point of it's too busy and you've got to go, you've got to choose either or, um, mm. then that's often a tipping point. But I also do believe in the all in strategy if you've got the capital to do it. If it's yeah. like, mm. you know, you can actually have a bit of leeway, have a bit of thinking space. You don't, your next rent payment isn't reliant on this working. Then I do believe in the all in strategy, but otherwise the transition is key. And even, and even like, I know that like I had a safety net before, you know, after having worked for a year or something. So it was like, it does, it does just take the pressure off. Cause like you say, you're not making like decisions from a real um, financially stressed point of view. Yeah. Mm. And I also listened to a, um, I've listened to a few books and things like this, and I don't believe that every side hustle has to become your man, become your main hustle. I think mm. like there are a lot of people side hustles and like you know side businesses where it actually works best for them to have it as a side hustle, and they never want it to be their main gig. So I also think you know we often in business are like you know the number one goal is to make it full time, but I think for some people that isn't the end goal I guess yeah definitely and I think like uh, for a lot of people it's just their creative outlet as mm. well and it's a it's a like, benefit that you can sell things from that yeah. yeah and so that sort of leads on to what I wanted to talk about next around capital so you guys didn't have any or much starting capital like what did you sort of put into it when you were going to go all in with it I think we were, I think we were lucky because okay so I probably had 15 grand in my bank account as a safety net but in terms of the way the business was set up, it was a service, right? So it, although we had to invest like a lot of our time and um, I'm not sure what we spent money on things in the beginning, it would have just been It was like just set up fees. It was like, um, yeah. even like, you know, to go to a bank and sign up and then sign up for the company's register, yeah. all that type yeah, of thing. Did. Kind of but I mean, compared to watching friends start product businesses, it was not an outlay really. No, mm. no, no. So we were really lucky. We were really lucky in that respect. Um, yeah. With a service, yeah. Yeah. You actually, because I was dead broke coming back from the States, at, like in debt broke, and Viv had been working full time on like a real job, so had like actual capital. Um, so I think I think our initial, like if we had shares, you would have more shares than me at Instagram <laughs> from well, capital. Put more money into it. I think you did. I think you put it like, I don't know, maybe a grand. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's for a common vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And so when setting up, did you, I mean, did you use Instagram for Instagram as a main, like, platform when you were starting? Is that? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't. No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't use, we didn't make an Instagram Instagram account until maybe last year. 
Oh, yeah, really? because I think we're at the stage where <clears throat> it's almost like the chef who doesn't clean at home. Cook. We had our f- yeah, sorry, <laughs> the chef doesn't cook at home. God, on form today. So we actually our main like source of leads and stuff was our Facebook group, Instagram growth and engagement, and that was that was created. Um, upon listening to some advice from like a mentor that was really strong in internet marketing. Um, and with that being said, we figured that actually, okay, the re- if the reason is that we're starting an Instagram account to get people like to show off how good we are, it's like, well, we've already got accounts and we can show you again and again and again all the growth that we've got people for people and all the results. So from that point of view, it was like, is it really worth our time putting, because it takes time to grow mm-hmm. an audience, right? Is it really worth us putting all that time and when we've got the audience on Facebook that's working? Um, and when in terms of like, what have you done or kind of what gives you the right um we already had that as well so that's why we didn't start it for so long but Mm. that was also on the hey dad facebook group so it's not like we started and didn't have any source for an audience so Mm. you know a lot of people now have just replaced that facebook group strategy with instagram um but also because specifically because we were kind of focused on instagram growth as our main value proposition the fact that if we started a fresh instagram account and our whole business was telling people we could grow instagram accounts and we had less than a thousand followers we didn't we also had that in mind so we actually only started it when we started the podcast and we had something to post about every single week Mm. as to like you know bringing value to people yeah yeah totally and so for other people why do you think it's important for well, I guess, why do you think Instagram's a good platform for people to use specifically to grow their, like, side business? It's free. <laughs> so, like, for example, when, um, you know, if you compare it to Facebook advertising, to which it's often compared to, it's you've got it's pay to play. Like, you've got to got to play mm. you got to play the game and I mean Instagram is still going that way as well but you still can get such good engagement and your account is a perfect example of not a massive you know you don't have like 100,000 followers but you still get like amazing like if you convert that to the listens that you get on your podcast like that's incredible mm. return um, and it's free and it just takes your time so mm. if you're someone that's starting out you don't have the initial capital um, then that's why Instagram can be a really good place to start and also having a platform where the majority of your audience you know your target market is on it already you get a beautiful visual platform to showcase your product or your service in the best way that you want to showcase it you can connect with that target audience you can you know message that target audience you can bring your product or your service to the front of that person's mind by you know posting on a platform and using various techniques it's like that is gold in marketing mm. like before that it was when we had to rely on print and billboard and all those things that were so expensive, that's why all these businesses needed so much capital to start and the barrier to entry was so high because you couldn't just, you know, dip your toes in. It was like you were all in or you were all out. And also to an extent, like in those um, older examples of advertising, like billboards and stuff, it's like, yeah, you might see your target audience. So like they might be there, they might be walking past or something or, you know, like hopefully they walk past you, your store or something on the main street. But now it's like, it's not a matter of like whether or not your audience is on Instagram. Like your audience is on social mm. media. That's where all the eyeballs are. So if you just go on there and engage, then you will get in front of them. Yeah, yeah. and Facebook is uh, there's something around there. Oh, I swear I've heard you guys talk about this. Something around the Facebook algorithm where you have to like pay to be seen or they prioritize certain things or yeah. So Facebook will always penalize like business profiles, and they're quite yeah. open about it. And it doesn't take like a genius to see that. Um, you, they just want you to pay money. Right. They're a business after all. Yeah, but I did income. see yeah. some Facebook profiles have been adding me recently as personal profiles, but they're businesses, which I oh, thought yeah. was interesting. But also, you know, could work as a technique for some things, but like, who's going to accept that as a friend? You I know, feel like you're yeah. only, I feel like you're only allowed to have a certain amount of friends on Facebook. I think you're only yeah, it's capped. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's capped. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think just the 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 free thing is pretty yeah. powerful for a side hustle. Yeah. No, and I, I think it's changed the whole game and business. Yeah, definitely. And so in terms of like all the social platforms, do you think it's best to do just Instagram or like try and spread yourself thin across all of them? I think it's – I am a advocate for having a hub platform. So mm. I think if you do all of the platforms and none of them well, then that's probably detrimental. But if you do – one platform really well. Often Instagram is the best hub platform because that's where the majority of people are and you can showcase your product or service in the best way. Having that as your hub platform, but then but then diversifying by having these other social media platforms so all your eggs aren't in one basket. Mm. So, you know, Instagram algorithm changes, we stress out, but you've got a TikTok page that you started that's getting traction. Mm. So having the diversification, but um, just knowing that, Doing a platform well takes a very, like, a lot of resource, like yeah. a lot of time and energy. It's hard to do it really well. Mm. Um, so I think I do see a mistake when when you don't have that much budget for a side hustle. It's not like you've got a whole team and a social media manager and someone creating reels and someone creating TikToks and someone creating Pinterest content. Mm. You do have to, at some point, prioritise and be like, all right, what am I going to focus on? So that's why have a hub platform and then – automatically as much as you can send repurpose that content so send yeah. it to Facebook so you're hitting that that you know two birds with one stone then have that automatically posting to Pinterest via different apps like iFit IFTTT have um you know just make the most out of that content that you can but then um yeah diverse diversification is key too just don't let it take over your life my thing on that would be and figure out where your customer is going to go next. Yeah. So always think mm. about, okay, what does it look like for the customer to first come into and interact with my brand all the way through to purchasing my product or visiting my store or, you know, using my service and inquiring. So, okay, cool. Those are your social media platforms and that's where people are going to get awareness and stuff. But at what point are you going to get their email address, like send them some valuable content? Yeah, like right. what does it look like to bring them down the funnel? Because um, it can be all well and good um, and you'll still get sales and stuff when you're just doing all the awareness, but actually you'll get mm. more um, if you if you think a little bit harder. Yeah, and I like that in matching the goal with the platform. So, you know, if you are a lawyer and you want to do a side hustle of consulting for a certain service, um, then maybe LinkedIn is where your target market is. So, like, make that your hub platform. Mm. If you are a targeting Gen, Gen Z with, like, a, I don't know, contraption that's quite, like... Um, you know, you can see it and watch it happen, then, like, do TikToks about it. So, like, yeah, choose your platform carefully. Yeah. Yeah, and I think people can f- forget about that piece you were talking about, Viv, in terms of, like, actually translating that audience somewhere else, like getting their emails, getting those sorts of things that you need to, I guess, keep the, the audience for whenever you go off to another platform or whatever. Um, and then in terms of making the Instagram look appealing to someone, like some people just have the knack for going on Canva and put, whipping up a bit of a colour scheme and all that kind of thing, putting it together. But if you're not sure, like what, how would you start that? Yeah, that's a great question. And we actually dove into this in, in one of our recent episodes that's coming out with um, the girl who's behind the Instagram of me, which is a new like feminine hygiene products coming out. Um, and they also, like all the Mowbray, Zuru companies do an excellent job of their aesthetic on Instagram Mm. before they launch and a common thread that they have and that we teach is have content pillars so instead of going in blind and being like oh I'm going to post a bit of that bit of that bit of that that's how your aesthetic and your brand consistency starts to waver so instead figure out what your goal of your company is 
who your target market is and then from there that's where your content pillars come so mm. it's like de- define four content pillars one of them is um say you're starting a hair straightener company um you know one of those is um you know memes and humor around hair straighteners and like funny things about like that Bondi Sands does a good job of that another one is another content pillar could be you know photos of people using it and then the next content pillar could be little videos of like you know um before and afters or something like that so you've already defined those so then your aesthetic is a lot easier because you've already have defined those content pillars um and then from there one of my if I was starting a business, um, any product business, I would always, one of my investments would be in content. So I would initially do a photo shoot if I had a product to take a photo of, um, mm-hmm. or I would, yeah, get an aesthetic to begin with that then I could just tick boxes for later. Yeah, I think I found, like, once working with you, Tash, on, like, content pillars and that kind of thing, it became a lot clearer, like, what I was sort of doing and how I wanted to, how I wanted it to look specifically. Because I think, especially when you're not doing a product it can be hard to work out how like what you want the look of it to be because it's not really about the aesthetics but then it is when people are coming to it and want to get engaged so I think it's really important because how did you do that because you don't have a product to take a photo of but you came in I think one of the reasons why your Instagram did get traction was because it came in streamlined and professional and this like a really cohesive aesthetic mm, what's your brand yeah I think I it, it just looked like a business Instagram. I think I treated it like a business from the very start. I didn't have just like random colors. I stuck to pinks and that kind of thing. And then I think having making it look professional, but then having the same voice of it being the relatable, chill thing, like that helped to get the message across. But what drew people in first was the aesthetics of it. Yeah. And I still get people now. And it amazes me because I'm like, just go on Canva, like, honestly. <laughs> they're like, who does your design? And I'm like, just me on Canva? It's so basic, seriously. And I know Tasha, a huge advocate for Canva. Like, get on there if you're not too sure. And then they give you templates, just change it to your colours. I honestly think Canva <laughs> is the most valuable tool to come out of the last 10 years when yeah. it comes to branding. And graphic and designers hate yeah. it. Yeah, they hate it. Yeah, sorry, sorry all the graphic designers. <laughs> and they do a sick job, but for the like beginner who has no money, that, that yeah. is the, yeah, the best way to go, for sure. Yeah. And I, I can name some of them because they've been on some of your podcasts, but what are like some big success stories you've heard around businesses, like their launches? Because I feel like there's a few I can think of now where they've done some sort of big giveaway launch or whatever and it's they've hit like 10,000 followers in a week or something. What are some crazy stories you've heard around that? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple that spring to mind. Something Blue did a really good giveaway. They gave around 10 grand. Um, so they're all like wedding subscription box. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, Bambi Boutique. So um, Eola, the same girl who is at the moment doing title here, that's her main business at the moment, um, she did a really good job. She does a great job of all her launches and just getting mm. as many people talking about it as possible. So she uses a mixture of influencers um, and big giveaways that include like a lot of stuff that really appeals to the target audience. Um, I think... I think Bambi Boutique, I feel like, was the one that got the most press around the launch um, because of the numbers she was she was kind of getting. That was the um, first time I feel like I saw like someone do like a launch event with like the donut wall and like that kind of stuff. I yeah. don't know, like it was sort of the first time I'd ever seen that, and I remember thinking like, "Whoa, how do I get invited to that?" Yeah, yeah. and especially for something that isn't uh, necessarily, you know, like in in the past, it's been 
fashion, kind of just fashion. Mm. And even though, like, you know, it was kind of fashion, it was still, it just still crossed wires more with e-com and social media in that realm. Mm. So I think that's why that event really stood out. Yeah, and then, I mean, she did a good job with um, Celebration Box 2. Um, and who else would have had a big launch? Um, We... Again, because it's top of mind, that podcast that we just did with me. Um, so they did an amazing launch because they did a event, but instead of just doing the event, um, you know, like in a room with pretty things, blah blah blah, they had a live mural painting. So that then, um, a live billboard. Sorry, so that then people would come and they'd get a coffee if they bought the keep cup, um, and they could watch this. And take a photo with this billboard as it was painted, and then um, now mm. people are going past the billboard and they're taking photos. And some people are travelling to the billboard set, and it's a point of difference because the billboard was obviously hand painted by this prestigious person. Um, and then they then coupled that with you know PR packages and relationships with great like deeper relationships with great ambassadors. Um, so they pretty much did all the things. They didn't just do an event. Mm. They didn't just do PR package, and they didn't just do um, influencer ambassadorship things. They combined all of them, which really made a splash. And I think that stands true as well for one of the other brands under that Zuru Edge umbrella, which was obviously Monday Hair Care. So I think they were selling out initially. And, and I mean, again, like you're saying, Tasha, it comes back to a multitude of things. Number one, the product is really good, really good product fit. Um, even if it was in supermarkets, it stood out um, in what was a pretty stagnant market. Mm. And then they also, um, they hit influencers quite hard mm. as well. But I'd say, you know, the brands that we've mentioned did put, decent budget into that but mm. I think if you were starting a side hustle you would lean more into the more relationship based marketing so if you just chose an influencer who was so aligned with you then working with them and doing a giveaway with them could be your point of entry into that target market so it would just you know not make as big of a splash but if you don't have many many thousands to put into a launch mm. then that's an option too yeah yeah because I was going to say it's it's um it's cool to do like a massive launch and have like it go off with a bang or whatever, but having those massive amounts of followers come to your account don't necessarily equate to sales. And and also if you do a massive launch, like say you put like 20K into a launch or something and then you didn't have enough stock to fulfill all the orders, like that's another thing as well. So if yeah. you're starting out small, like it's not a massive deal when you don't get 100,000 followers overnight because you probably don't have enough product to meet all those orders. Yeah, yeah. and is that launch exactly what you're saying, relevant to that target audience? If you do a hundred thousand dollar giveaway then you're going to get so much collateral of people mm. following you just for that hundred grand yeah. and then once that you know once that gets drawn you get all these people that still stick around mm. and then are they going to be your target market so always having a launch that's also going to really attract your target market yeah I totally agree I feel like I've sort of gone off doing giveaways because I found like people were coming like it w- they would might get heaps of engagement but then there'd be people who would stay who didn't even care about what I was talking about on the podcast. So now if I do do some sort of giveaway, I make sure that it's really – like I only the people who'd listen to the podcast would actually give a shit about what I'm giving yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, got to yeah. be aligned. Yeah, definitely. And so around the followers thing, how do you think – is it important to just have a small amount of really engaged followers? Or I guess how do you – what's the word I'm looking for? Like change those followers from just people watching to – buyers of the product or yeah great question basically yeah how to um well we so this was a learning curve for us because we had our facebook group which grew to say maybe at that point twenty thousand 
follow uh, people in the group. Um, and for Instagram for our brand for a very long time, apart from the clients that we had, we didn't monetize it at all, mm. um, which I actually think was a mistake because yeah. we got all yeah. these freeloaders that it wanted yeah, that were <laughs> expecting free things from us. And then because we hadn't monetized it or made like it built out a funnel or anything, that actually gave us no value. All it did was we were like, wow, we've got this audience, but they were just, we were giving everything and they were giving us nothing. We did, we did get, we did monetize it in the end, but in terms of like, I don't know, industry standard conversion rates or other people in the space who had less less members um, but were doing better in terms of like the way that they monetized it, the way they went about it. We were, This was also the first thing we'd ever done. So this was like very different to be going into something this like this that was really bright. We were really blind about the whole thing. We had like two mentors and that was kind of it. Like it's not something that it's like, you know, you're selling a product and so are like five other people around you. Like it was a super new space for us. Um but yeah, you're right. Like our conversion rates and um, you know open rates from those from the email list we built from that, they were not as high as say like industry standards. So yeah, um, and I think ways to combat that is even though we were building an email list of people wanting to get into the group, and then they would then enter their email address, and then we'd send them emails. Sometimes they just wanted to enter the group to like I don't know get one bit of information. They weren't our ideal market. Mm. Um, so instead, we would have been better to do things in the group of like give away a really. Um, specific free resources and then they could enter their emails and then we'd have a more powerful but smaller email list yeah, right. um, that then we could send them you know regular email updates because email is still the highest converting in terms of sales thing out there um, and then we could have done things like you know from the beginning had a lead magnet in our link in our bio that people could enter their email address and then we would they would be our audience forever and we could send them that um, you know those updates every week about our business and then the things launching and then they could get on wait lists and buy things um, so I think we've just learned a lot in terms of yeah what actually equates to a great audience member who will buy from you <laughs> yeah right and then when it comes back to like the actual working on the Instagram itself because now we've got so many things to focus on whether it's post stories or reels should we be trying to do all of those or is there one that's better at the moment or? I, I love love the question because I think that's like in every um you know whether they're doing a side hustle or everyone's minds they're like oh my gosh it's so much work like how am I going to mm. have time for this and I think we always sort of say um you know like for starters how often should I post that's like one of our biggest FAQs it's like actually sit down have a think about how often can you post something really valuable mm. um because yeah sure a few years a few years ago it was like super important that you were just like showing up all the time um the level of content was not as good as it is now so people are, they want to see good stuff like if you've got a luxe brand you need to be like posting as if it is so so in terms of like how what you should be doing and um, how often, you know, we, we hear success stories around, you know, people use stories or people that use posting only or people that use reels. Um, it's more about being consistent and making sure your messaging is getting through. And yeah, like I say, as often as you can do a good job of it, really. Yeah. So in an ideal world is like, you know, you would be using all three if that was one of your main drivers for sales. Um, and I think also people look at the business and then think, oh, well, that's not as important. But if you look at your business and figure out, oh, well, you know, this percentage of sales is actually coming from Instagram, then it's like, you know, if that's what's actually making your business money, maybe you should be investing that amount of your business um, capital into employing someone if you can't, doing reels and stories and all the things. Um, 
So I think it depends on your business model too because there are some, say, you know, supermarket brands that are using Instagram but they're using it for a different reason. So they're not necessarily um, wanting direct sales from it. So it might be better for them to just post once a week, once every two weeks and just do really valuable, informative posts about um, what's, you know, their product and things. So I think it depends on your business and how much Instagram is a key part of it. Mm. And then from there, yeah, allocating high quality posts. I think those. the key, right, it comes back to time. So as a business owner, um, the best thing you can try and do is encourage other people to post about your stuff, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like, So you can do all the stuff that you're in control of, make sure your branding is really strong, but you can never compete with the rate at which other people can post about your stuff. So if you've got people, you know, if your packaging is in a way that um, it's amazing, people want to take a photo of it, or you've sent them a note as well, put them in the monthly drawer if they like story about it, all that kind of thing, even if, you know, for a couple of days all you're doing is just reposting other people's stuff to your story, awesome, you're still getting in front of people and you really didn't have to put that much energy into it. Yeah, mm. and all of their audience is seeing it. That's such a good point. We we talked to an ice cream parlour once in the Mount and it's beautiful ice, ice cream parlour. It's called um, Monte Gelato. And they were like, oh, well, you know, it's fine. we're finding it really stressful trying to figure out content to post. Mm. And I was like, you guys are an ice cream parlour and you don't have your handle on the wall. Like, mm. people are looking for excuses yeah. to tag you and post you on Instagram, but if they don't know what your handle is, they're never going to tag you. And it's also like a you know, a reminder for people to take a photo of their ice cream if they see the handle. Um, and then they put the handle on the wall and now they are sweet with content. All these people are marketing it for them. Tash went in during the renovations and she's like, you guys are putting your handle on the wall, eh? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, and it's the same thing with, you know, even if you have a service, say you are a physio or a podcaster, it's like making people aware that you do have an Instagram and, like, mm. getting them to tag the podcast and things like that, I think is – it's just making people aware, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the awareness piece is so massive. And um, I guess to sort of, like, conclude, to finish off, what are some mistakes, like, some real common mistakes you see smaller businesses making on the gram in terms of how they're sort of putting themselves out there? My biggest one is aesthetic. I think mm. the first touch point people normally have with your business is your – Instagram grid uh, and mm. the fact that whatever whatever they see is what they'll what they'll think it is. So if they see um, you know, an inconsistent aesthetic with like really badly lit iPhone photos that someone's just done homemade, they're gonna immediately think this is a homemade business that's like really fresh and starting out and doesn't know their shit, right? So they'll then associate that quality with your product. If you come in guns blazing with a fire aesthetic and with beautiful slick look, then that is one of the best investments you can make for jumping on social when you're launching a side hustle or a business. And I think to follow on from that, I was having a conversation the other day. I was like, do you think people in the future are gonna use Instagram any less? to search for products or buy things? No. Probably not. Do you think, it's like, it's even like digitization as a whole, I think it leads on from that. You know, like in New Zealand, we're a little bit by ourselves. There's not heaps of competition here. Like we're kind of, there are people that don't even have like websites optimized for mobile and like, um, you know, websites from 2020. It's like, hello, do you think that people are going to use the internet any less for, to search for your products? <laughs> like, come on, let's like think about the future here. And I think social media is the same. Sure, we might have platforms come and go, but the reality is like that's where the eyeballs are. So if you're not doing a good job and you're not like putting some time into it, um, maybe that's something you need to consider. Um, and whether that is like outsourcing it or getting some help or, you know, cre- you know, recreating the packaging so it does take you less time. What are the things that you can do so you actually, actually, do it. Yeah, and I think that's an important point is 
your social media strategy, because it's such an integral part of successful businesses today, should be when you're launching a business in the planning stages of that business. It should be integrated within that success of that business as opposed to the afterthought of now how yep. we're going to market this. It's like the packaging, the vibe, the way someone would take a photo of it, the way everything to do with your product or service should also take into account the way you're going to market it on Instagram. And I think people forget that in the planning stages, especially if you know they're not necessarily an Instagram native. Mm. It's like that's such an important part of having a good Instagram account. And for those that perhaps aren't Instagram natives, they can often be the people who might be like selling their business and say like the next five to 10 years time. Social media is part of like your brand and something that people will look for when they are looking to like acquire a business and so on. Like it's mm. more than just, it can, it's more than just like a, um, random sales tool for putting yourself out there do you know what I mean it's like a future facing thing yeah yeah yeah. and yeah because what I was just thinking about when I said that was a friend was just saying that she um has remodeled her whole product to be a certain shade of color because she's like she knows that that will take better photos on Instagram and she's like I know that if I go with the current shade of color even though it's easier to just say yes now that that is shooting myself in the foot because that's just going to make the rest of my marketing so hard for the rest of my life Mm. yeah definitely well this has been great thanks so much for coming on again (laughs) yeah thanks so much for having us hope you like my voice (laughs) yeah that was fine All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.